You're listening to a production of Swanson Media. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Sullen Radio Podcast. I'm Joe Swanson. This episode today is brought to you by TattooSmart.com. If you use the promo code SWANSON at checkout at TattooSmart.com, you're going to get 10% off any of their digital palettes, any of their tutorials or brush sets. If you want to take your tattoo design work or illustration work to the next level, check out TattooSmart.com. You get 10% off by using the promo code SWANSON, ancient art, modern perspective. We are also brought to you by Tattoo Now. TattooNow.com has built websites for tattooers like Bob Tyrell and Jeff Gogway. If you need to organize all of your bookings, merchandise, schedule, social media networks, all in one central hub, then have Tattoo Now build your website. Tattoo Now has website packages starting at 499 bucks. If you purchase at TattooNow.com forward slash Sullen Radio, you're going to get 25 bucks off that 499 So head over to TattooNow.com forward slash Sullen Radio to get 25 bucks off your basic website package and showcase your work on a great looking and easy to use website. TattooNow.com forward slash Sullen Radio. Now, speaking of websites, if you'd like to check out my site, you can go to SullenRadio.com. While you're there, you can connect with any of my social media networks. You can see some of the merch that I have available, original artwork. You can also check out my portfolio if you'd like to get tattooed. Last thing I'd like you to do when you're there, if you could, is sign up for my Permanent Conversations newsletter. And that way you're going to get access to hear the conversation that I had with legendary tattooer Lyle Tuttle. I know you guys are going to enjoy that if you enjoy the podcast. It was a great conversation, and I'm excited to hear what you guys think of it. Thanks for all the support, everyone. I'm Joe Swanson. This is the Solar Radio Podcast, and this is my talk with tattooer Miguel Torres. This is Sullen Radio with Joe Swanson, the premier art-driven podcast. I've never been uh, out to New York. I, I, I Not I, once? Not once, man. I, I flew wow. through there. I think, let's see, when I was in, where was I going? Maybe I flew through there once. I, like, landed in JFK, and then we bounced. You okay. know what I mean? Like, got a snicker bar and, had, and, like, was out. But I was a kid, too, so... You know, okay, that's different. Yeah. yeah, I was about to say being in JFK might be just enough to give you a little bit of the New York uh, bite or sting from over here. Yeah, yeah. Well, bet- that's that's it, man. I understand. Like it's a fast pace. Like the people that I talk with said, it's like no other animal. You know. I mean, it's it's weird. Like if you're born and raised here, because I guess like it's the norm, you know. But when I've gone other places or other cities. And just something as simple as like the walking pace of people, mm-hmm. like everybody else is taking it nice and easy. Like I've been out to Cali uh, one time. I went to the Bay and uh, everybody was super chill, like super laid back. And like I caught myself like, man, I'm really running ahead of everybody here. And it's just because being in the city, like everybody's yeah. constantly at a fast pace. I'd fit in but, then, man. I got I got one pace when I walk somewhere and it's like hella fast. <laughs> <laughs> I but, mean, if you know. Things got to get done. They got to get done. You got to exact- make the most of the time. Exactly. Yeah. Well, welcome, everybody. This is the Sullen Radio Podcast. I'm Joe Swanson. My guest joining me today is uh, Miguel Torres from NYC, New York City, man. Welcome. 
thank you. Uh, first, let me you know, say thank you for having me on, man. It's it's a big honor. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, I came uh, I became familiar with your work when you did the shirt for Sullen, and uh, that that was a dope piece that you did and and got a lot of attention. Thank Jeremy, you, man. Jeremy thank loved you. it. And um, talk about that. You know, maybe even just the creation of that piece was it specifically for? Um, did you have that in mind when you when you did it? Um, I remember. Uh, somebody put me onto Sullen a couple of like years ago, maybe about, like 2012, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Man, these guys got like really awesome art on the shirt." Like I haven't seen any kind of printing like this before. So you know, I've been a fan of theirs, and I was following them on Instagram and stuff. And you know, they got a badass logo. It's like a skull with two mm -hmm. paintbrushes and stuff. I mean, you know, there's a lot to get into there. So I just kind of took a shot one day, and I was like, "Hey, you know, I saw one or two artists kind of do a rendition of it. Let me try my own." Mm -hmm. And uh, I was kind of moving things around and the, the sort of nighttime theme with the three moons and everything kind of just came about. And, uh, you know, at the time they were running the My Sullen Badge campaign. And uh, so, you know, I took a shot in the dark and I, and I tagged it and uh, uh, Ryan had reached out to me. And, you know, I, at this point, I'm, I'm just like a fan. I'm like, oh, shit, you know, these guys are reaching out to me. Great. And uh, we kind of went back and forth, and it was like a slight revision that had to happen. And uh, they ended up going with it for the second release for the My Sullen Badge campaign. And I was just like, I was in awe of the whole situation. I was like, holy crap, like, you know, I'm getting my artwork on the shirt. And, uh, you know, it looked great when I finally saw it printed. I didn't see it printed until, like, way later. They had the, uh, the New York State Empire mm -hmm. Tattoo Convention. And uh, I ran into Bobby from Alter Ego Clothing. Yeah. Super cool dude. Like, I went in there and I just struck up a conversation with him. And uh, he had the shirt there. And it was the first time I saw it. And I was like, oh, man, you know, I haven't seen it yet. And uh, he was like, here, man, just take the shirt. And I was like, no, no, no. You know, I got to give you something for it. This is how you make a living. He was like, look, just, you know, give me a couple of bucks. It's not even what it costs me, <laughs> but I want you to be able to have it. So uh, it was like a really exciting experience, man. Oh, I, man, how cool is that? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm like super appreciative. Like every little thing that happened so far, it's just like, a, you know, from the inside, like people see it from the outside. But from here, it's just like I'm in complete shock every time something happens and there's a, there's a step uh, prog progressing forward. Yeah, you it's know, amazing. I, it's amazing to see that, you know, when you're in it. You know, oftentimes you're in the grind, you know, you're in the hustle yeah. every day. You're moving and shaking and, um, you know, these little things kind of kind of hit. And um, it's hard to take inventory of those sometimes, you know, because a lot of times they happen kind of fast. And uh, it's nice to sit back and, and even reflect like at times like this. Now you, you can look back on it and go, well, damn, that was, you know, this step led to that step. And, and this kind of connected and it almost gives you like yeah. a guideline and a path that you can you know, move then forward with, you know, being more well, aware. Just, and uh, I mean, I love that you said aware, uh, you know, I kind of practice meditation and mindfulness, like mm -hmm. Tibetan breathing techniques and stuff. Well, tell and, me about uh, that. Tell me about that, man, because that's, I'm into that shit. You know what? I'm, you know, it's my jam right yeah. now. My jam is prenatal yoga because I found it on YouTube because my chick did it yeah. when we had the baby. And, yeah. uh, like, um, man, I was, I was back in the day when I was doing jujitsu and stuff and I was limber and loose yeah. and like, I've just tightened up over the years. So it's prenatal yeah. yoga and breathing and I butchered yeah. the name. Okay. So I got to, 
do a revision and a clarification because I butchered <laughs> the name of this lady who uh, has this sure. wonderful book. Um, and I talked about it in the Dylan Forte episode. Her name is, and you guys will laugh at me how bad I screwed it up. Her name is uh, Dr. Belisa. And so that's what okay. you can find her on uh, on Instagram, I think, and Twitter is Dr. Belisa. But she's got a book sure. called Breathe. And it just talks about like breathing from, and she gives exercise about breathing from your diaphragm, mm-hmm. you know, really deep. It makes a like, huge difference. Oh, man. It's like you got to retrain yeah. yourself to, to do it. And I'm in that point where um, I've, I've pretty much. You know, I find myself mostly breathing deep now and, mm-hmm. and you're using a lot more lung capacity and, um, you know, getting a lot of that old air out, you know, uh, yeah. and it really yeah. helps, man. And, and you almost there's times where I'm going through these exercises and it's you get this like euphoric feeling, you know, it's it's a it's an amazing thing. But talk about your meditation, because I'm super interested. So uh, at some point I had a roommate like I switched roommates here like every year or two, you know, just trying to split apartments. And uh, this guy happened to be super into martial arts and meditation. And uh, he put me onto this book and it was called Turning Your Mind Into an Ally. I don't remember the author, but it was more of like the philosophical side of Tibetan meditation. Mm -hmm. And it talked about how your mind is like an unbridled horse that just runs wild and you have to learn how to train it so that you're not subject to your thinking. You know, that it's something that you uh, consciously use. Mm-hmm. You just don't let it run wild. So uh, it was that and another book by uh, the author is John Kabat-Zinn. And uh, his book is called, it, it escapes me right now, but he did um, clinics for people that were terminally ill or suffering from emotional distress or had cancer, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would do about two or three week Uh, meditation clinics were mindfulness meditation breathing techniques and everybody kind of reported at the end of the clinic that they all like all their symptoms pretty much went down significantly in a really notable way so for me you know throughout my life i kind of suffer from depression anxiety all kinds of stuff and uh you know a lot of that's just being trapped up in your head and you know going through your thoughts and stuff so um i started practicing meditation Mm -hmm. and it was one of the hardest freaking things. I mean, I've, I've boxed, I've done a little bit of martial arts and stuff. And I got to say, sitting down and sitting still for five minutes was probably the hardest thing to accomplish. It's crazy, so, right? Without, yeah, yeah. like, without thinking of just like thinking about your breath, like it, having to yeah. bring your mind back to that breath or that, that center yes. point. It's difficult, man. And I started, yeah. I, I did the same thing where it was like really I still struggle. I mean, I struggle with it. Like 13 sure. minutes, like I'll try to do um, 13 minute meditations. I'll do 21 minute meditations. These are all like Fibonacci sequence numbers that I have to keep it like real love like it. that, love <laughs> you it. know? Yeah, um, absolutely love it. Yeah. But it's man, 13, even 13 is like difficult You to really sit and focus. But when you do and you like kind of lose yourself in that breathing, it's great. Again, it's really beneficial. I got to one point, I mean, it sounds like crazy, but I remember one time I meditated maybe past 20 minutes and I literally had my breath in sync with the flow of my blood in my veins and I could literally feel my heartbeat and I felt like I was able to control how rapid or how slow my heartbeat Mm -hmm. was going based on how much I was controlling my breathing. And, you know, 
every time you break another couple of minutes is another threshold. Like when I finally got to the point where I was past five minutes, then it was like, oh man, I could sense all the tension in my muscles. Now I can relax this part of my body. Then it went from that to, oh man, here's a part of my lungs I never used before. Right. And then each time you push it a little further, there's some other thing to uncover that's really beneficial. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing is like, as soon as I come out of a meditative session, you know, my focus is crazy. Like, oh, I noticed this tiny speck of dust I don't normally, you know, I walk past every day and now all of a sudden I'm noticing everything. Yeah, so I, it, I definitely think it encourages that awareness around your surroundings, you know, and it, maybe it's because you've limited the input and now your body just wants to take it all in, you know, yeah, but yeah. I don't know. It's I know for a fact that it's beneficial. It's really benefited me, you know, both the breathing and the meditation. Um, and one one uh, I was listening to a podcast called the Zencast, and um, mm -hmm. it's a it's a dope um, speaker. His uh, I forget his name, but they do it out of Redwood City, California. He's um, teaches there out of a uh, I think I believe a Buddhist temple or a Buddhist sure. um, uh, retreat center. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was talking about um, the thing he liked about meditation was you didn't have to do anything. You didn't have to do anything, you, you know, even think about your breath. Like you can use your breath to um, kind of sink everything, but mm -hmm. you don't have to. It doesn't have to be for relaxation. It doesn't have to be to work on this part of your you know, body or to stretch yourself out this way or w whatever other reasons you may be trying to meditate. Mm -hmm. Those are good things. And we can, you know, focus on those in, in meditative uh, sessions. But what he liked was ultimately you just you were free and you didn't have to worry about any of that stuff. And um, I like that idea, you know. Um, it uh, being in the present moment is probably the, the the best thing that you can learn because you know the one thing I, I've, I've i've heard people say is like if you're depressed you're caught up in the past uh -huh. if you're anxious you're thinking about the future sure. but if you just bring yourself to the present moment you know you're dealing with everything that's just right in front of you and you're right. really living at that time yep. so uh and you know in tattooing that helps quite a bit too because it's not a, a time where you really want your mind straying very much <laughs> right Right. And, yeah. you know, one of the other things with, um, you know, just thinking uh, like benefits of this kind of stuff, physical exercise, all that shit, um, health and wellness. It's like something that I've always been into and more so now as I feel like as I'm getting into those meditative states and the breathing where I'm able to kind of feel those tight muscles and and like really get in sync with how my body's feeling. And that's one thing I loved about jujitsu was you really got a feel for, you know, your, your body rolling and grappling. Um, but you know, just, uh, when you're tattooing for, even if you're just doing a banger for a couple hours, like you're kind of hunched over, you know, and that, yeah. that affects your posture. It affects your back, lower back. Like I've realized like my lower back, my, I'm, I'm sorry, not my lower back, but my mid back is like pretty, yeah. pretty weak, you know, in a sense that's like, man, I need to strengthen that. Like I can feel it. It would help so much in my posture and, and all that. So it's cool yeah. to kind of, it's cool when you can like, again, like kind of reflect on those things and, and, uh, 
it's awareness, I guess. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it all yeah, boils back yeah. down to it. If you're aware of that, then it forces you to sit upright. And so you're, mm -hmm. you're not compensating so much with the hunch. I mean, mm -hmm. that's why a lot of guys that, you know, I'm sure you've heard it a million times that like they got to do some kind of physical activity to compensate for the fact that they're sitting for such long periods of time. And, you know, I've been not to, I'm not going to call out anybody's names, but I've overheard lots of top tier guys in the industry. Like I can't feel my arm, you know, because yeah. I've been holding the, the machine and it's been vibrating for the past months. And I've been doing 13 hour sessions back to back or, you know, yeah, three long tattoos in one day and my back is giving out. And so like mm -hmm. things like yoga, even if it's jujitsu or jogging, whatever it is that gets your full range of motion moving, mm -hmm. gets that rust out of the bones and everything, you know, it, it, it'll help you in the long run with your health. Like, and that's number one. Like, yeah. Always. I, I think um, people are becoming more aware of that, of that kind of stuff and, and the tools that they want to use. I mean, it was, uh, I don't know where I, where I, maybe the tattoo age, uh, documentaries that Rubendahl was in and he talked about not using a foot pedal anymore. Um, like, you know, so he uses constant power. That's what like I do too. I'll hit, you know, I got my little, uh, critical power supply and on, on my station, I just hit that and it's going like once the machine's on, it's on. And, wow. um, and you think about it like shit tattoo in 20 years for the first, what, 15 of them. I was running on a foot pedal. So like my right mm -hmm. foot most of the time is pretty much all the time. My right foot is moving up and down or on an elevated position. And they say it's like wearing a wallet in your pocket. You know, if you wear it for so many years, it throws you off and yeah, you know, so it affects that balance of the body. So guys are like thinking, you know, outside the box of, um, you know, let's just get this done, but how can we get this done? And, you know, still be doing this in 40 years. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they have to because, you know, uh, I mean, that's what you see a lot of people. The great thing about the tattoo world opening up and like all these people to some degree getting involved and in thinking about how to prolong people's tattooing careers, because, you know, at some point it has an expiration date for a lot mm -hmm. of people that, you know, it catches up to them. But uh, now you got athletic companies getting involved with gear for like tattoo artists like when Sullen pulled out the uh i forgot what the name of the shirt was yeah, like the, the crossbands yep. mm -hmm. yeah and you know something as simple as that uh with the the utility of it in mind can make a huge difference for people yeah. you know and this is people's livelihoods you know there's mm -hmm. no i've been told this a million times like there's no retirement plan in this there's right. no pension there's no 401k so the longer you can extend that. And, you know, people love to do it also. It's not mm -hmm. something that like, okay, I want to do this and get to a certain point and then stop. Like most of the guys I've met that tattoo, they enjoy tattooing. It would <laughs> right. totally suck to like stop doing that at one yeah. point. Well, look at, I mean, look at Lyle Tuttle, you know, Lyle's mm -hmm. 84 years old and he's still tattooing his name and, and Zodiac sign on everybody's signature basically, you know? And I'm, mm -hmm. I saw he was on Instagram. I saw that he was down in the shop the other night. You know, he walks down mm -hmm. two flights of stairs, you know, jumps in the chair and blasts his signature a few times and, you know, can't can't not do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's, he's I mean, once. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Man. No, I, I just I, I think it's, uh, you know, the desire is still there at 84. I don't know when it if, if it ever goes away until you're, you know, in the dirt. I, I can't imagine that it does, you know, like I, I'm like 
the art school kid, right? Like mm-hmm. I painted, uh, drawn with color pencils, I used charcoals and everything else. And every other medium does not have the hook that tattooing does. There's <laughs> something about it that just like, it's, it's brutal. It's tough as all hell, but at the same time, it, there's no other gratification that you can get when you do a really, really solid piece and the person is happy with it. Maybe that's the difference is because well, you're, you're immediately with a person. Yeah, and you're immediately connected with the, you know, person that purchased that piece of art. You know what I mean? Yeah. Intimately connected. Yeah. Most of us who've been tattooing for any period of time have sat with people as they've wept because of the tattoo that you're doing on them. You know, they've cried tears of joy and they've cried tears of sadness remembering somebody that you're putting an RIP on or an angel or some doves or whatever it is, man, you know? And so I think that impact is immediate for them. And I think it's immediate for the tattooer. And I know for me, I'm, I like immediate shit. (laughs) You know what I mean? I like, uh, I don't like to wait around, you know, it's hard for me to when I'm doing the outline, I want to get to the shading. When I'm doing the shading, I want to get to that fucking color, you know, or I got to get to them dots or um, I want to see this. Now I just want to see this, you know, thing done. I want to yeah. take a picture of it. Damn it. Yeah. The picture didn't come yeah. out right. You know what I mean? Like it's you always want to get to the next step. But I think, again, you know, I've having to over the years, like kind of slow myself down and um, be more right in that pass of the line or that you know, shading of that section, um, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, honestly, I think that rotaries have kind of forced my hand at that because they forced me to slow down. Like I tattoo fast, you know, okay. and yeah. with a coil machine, it's fast, you know, I, I, yeah. and, and with a rotary machine, I've just found that, um, I can't pull a line as I can pull a line clean, but I can't pull it as fast as I could with a coil machine. And, right. You know, I've been using rotaries, uh, not exclusively, but predominantly for the last few years. And, and so I've kind of, it's forced me to slow, slow down my tattooing and slow down that approach and be right there in the moment. So it's, uh, back to the mindfulness of being in the Mm -hmm. moment. I mean, I've tried rotaries and coils and gone back and forth with them. I even, to this moment now, I'm still debating which one to kind of stick to. I kind of switch them up depending on the project. I think that's uh, the smartest way, man. Honestly, like the only problem with like my my, being able to uh, use mine are all my rotaries are uh, RCA and all my coils are clip cord. And I'm like, damn it. I need to get some of those RCAs that like clip into the, the clip little cords. converters. Yeah. Converters or something. So I can, you know, cause that's the, I like to have a bunch of things set up if I can or, um, use them, uh, interchangeably in the tattoos, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm mostly, I'd say about 85 to 90% of the stuff I do now is just through a cartridge system. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, there's still something about a coil liner, that crispiness with the line when I use it, that it's, it, you know, I have mm-hmm. to go back to it for certain projects. It's just like, there's maybe it's just me. I don't know. Maybe somebody else can do it. But like, I feel like there's just a certain level of cleanness, even if it's on a microscopic level. I don't know. It, get with the, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think that I feel like, I think it's just the pace at which I tattoo with them and the feel yeah. of it. You know what I mean? That, that sound, the vibration, it's a lot of it maybe even is just nostalgia or comfort, you know? Sure. 
because uh, yeah. I've been tattooing with them for 15 years plus, you know, um, until I switched and started to kind of explore into the, you know, into the world of rotaries, which I haven't by any means tried all, all the different types. You know, there's there's some out there that I would love to love to give a shot at. But um, the ones that I have tried, I've I've enjoyed like I really love the consistency of them, you know. Yeah, they're a really great tool for a lot of types of uh, tattoos. I mean, the crazy thing to me, because I think I heard, I don't know if uh, Boog the other time, he was like the rotary generation. That's what he calls the new guys, <laughs> yeah. right? But, like, there's these guys that are killing it out there, like doing these insane painterly, photorealistic things. And, you know, from what I've seen, they're almost exclusively using rotaries at this mm-hmm. point, like – and, you know, it's hard not to at least try it out and, and work that into, you know, your scheme of things mm-hmm. if you're seeing people produce such great results. But I know guys uh, that have been in the business for a long time and they refuse to even touch one. <laughs> like they just were so like loyal to the coil. That's yeah. It. Like, yeah, they're completely on that. So I mean, they get weirded yeah. out because it's silent. <laughs> is that what you mean? Yeah, I don't know. I've been told that I've been told that by some guys that they rely on the sound. Of well, the, sure. Of the coil and machine. man, yeah. I'll tell you what, like going back to coils, like I used some coils just last week and it was true. Like you get a feel and you get mm-hmm. a, a feel of the sound, the sight of it. You get a feel of how it's hitting with your thumb. Um, and what was interesting is I was using that critical, the new critical power supply and it don't have no digital readout. It's like all colors, you know. But it, man, it made me excited because I was like, I was using the coil again and I was using this little, you know, turn style, um, non-digital power supply. And I could pretty much tell by the, by the, you know, you could pretty much tell by the color range. Right. And that's how you tell the volts. And so it was like, I kind of knew where my, my guidelines were. And then I just tuned it in by the feel and the sight and the sound like I used to. And it, man, it was, it was exciting. You know, it brought back a little bit of, uh, like, Ooh, I like that. I like doing that. You know, I, I mean, it, it leaves, it leaves, it makes, it forces you to use your intuition, which I think is mm-hmm. like beautiful because, you know, no two people are the same. And when you put that machine on the person, you put the needle on the person, you see how the, the skin responds to it. I mean, I know they have the guidelines, like it's supposed to line at this certain speed and shade at this other one and everything mm-hmm. else. But, I mean, I've seen people throw that to the wind and completely use the sound and the feel and produce beautiful work, you right. know, just barely looking at the <laughs> the, the, the the read on, on the power supply. Sure. So, yeah. So, yeah. How, how'd you get into um, how'd you get into tattooing, man? Uh, I was 16 years old and my cousin went away to juvie for a short period of time and actually two of my cousins and, uh, they came back and they had like these real bootleg jailhouse style tattoos on them. One was like an Egyptian Ankh, another one said, I don't know what the hell some, some gangster shit he had on him. And, uh, I was like, yo, how, how'd you guys do that? And, uh, they told me that, uh, they took a sewing needle and they wrapped the tip in thread and they got a bottle of india ink or they got their hands on one somehow and you know stippling like they just started away at the design yeah and uh at the time i already you know i've been drawing like my whole life so i was like oh man you know these guys that don't draw a lick 
pull this off. You know, I could probably do something pretty good. And so the first tattoo I did was on myself. You know, I tried like a little dragon symbol on my arm. Uh, I kind of made up myself and it came out pretty solid. And uh, so I went from that to like a full calf piece that took me about nine and a half hours of just pure <laughs> stippling. Now, <laughs> here's the screwed up part, because at the time I knew jack about anything. And so I thought you were supposed to disinfect the tattoo after it was done. And so I took a bunch of rubbing alcohol and oh. threw it all over my <laughs> And yeah, I, it, it burned like like I wouldn't like I couldn't believe like it was probably one of the most painful experiences of my life. And that was on yeah, you. I, you put it on yourself. That, that was on myself. Karma's then, a bitch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and my, my mom wasn't too happy about that. But uh, I did it on myself. And then, you know, I, I caught the bug. I went and got like a million magazines that were available at the time, the skin and ink or whatever else was on, on the shelves at the time. And I, I was just eating it up. And, uh, you know, I took the, the scratcher path. <laughs> I got myself a kit that was in the back of one of the magazines. And, uh, you know, it came with like the inks and the needles and, you know, the two machines that it had. And I had, since I already knew how to draw and people kind of knew me for that, I had no shortage of guinea pigs. Like, uh -huh. you know, one of my first tattoos I did on my dad, and I got him back for every beating I got in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that shit. was a fun experience. So, yeah, I mean, and I was about 18 years old at the time when I had... You where know, were you the, living? I was in Long Island. That's where uh, I grew up. Yeah. So uh, I was out that way, just tattooing out of my mom's living room and kitchen and, you know, screwing up a lot of people and... <laughs> Uh, learning the hard way uh -huh. and uh, I kind of took off a little bit of time or a lot of time actually because I went away to school I went to art school and stuff and then uh, uh, I don't remember exactly what hooked me back at it but I got I picked the interest up back again uh, in 2012 and uh, I went this is where the controversy comes. I went to a tattoo school. I never did like a traditional apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. And um, I know we had spoke about this before. Yeah. That well, I'd, I'd like to hear about, you know, uh, your experience there, because I think at this point, like in in the industry, um, to get hung up on what's a tattooer and what's the definition of a tattooer. And, you know, I don't think the history of it's important to have a strong um history and that may just be that you had a really strong uh art background and you came up and you decided to do shit the right way an ethical way you know not mm -hmm. to scratch your way and sure. you progressed yeah. your art obviously you've taken things very seriously from the time that you were doing scratcher shit and you took your time mm -hmm. off and you went and you went to a tattoo school um i don't know man i i just i i don't see that uh I don't see that there's a problem. Now, I don't know what school. I don't know their philosophies. I don't know sure. anything about that. And I'm not, you know, um, condoning what anything that they may or may not be doing. I'm just saying that the path that you took, I don't think should be looked down upon um, at this point when you've proven yourself as a, you know, professional tattooer who's doing professional level work. And, you know, plenty of guys tattooed out of their apartments and did it that way and didn't have an opportunity to go and have somebody even express to them some of these morals and standards and guidelines that, 
you know, hopefully the tattoo school uh, did instill in you. So tell me about sure. that experience, man, and um, like how you feel it affected you now. Like, you know, a, a controversy aside, how do you feel like personally? Was it a good choice for you? A hundred percent. Because right before I had gone to the tattoo school, I, I said, okay, I've gone to art school, you know, YouTube is here. I can pick up stuff here and there. And I did one or two tattoos before I went. I said, this is not going to cut it, you know, but what was uh, the difference? What was the difference? Was it that time in art school or what was the difference in when you were younger and you said it was, you know, it's going to be cool. Just, you know, I'm going to just tat on mama's couch to now where you're saying, okay, hang on. I've just done a couple more tats on mama's couch and it's like not the same and I need to do something different. What uh, changed? Having been in the community of artists, uh, I already at that point had done like, I worked for uh, Echo Unlimited, the, the clothing mm -hmm. company, and I was doing some production art and, and clothing stuff for them. I did a, a CD cover for uh, some Wu-Tang affiliates and stuff. So I kind of had some art work experience in the real world under my belt. And, you know, I, I, I challenge myself. And whenever I get into anything, I want to do it at the highest level I can. You know, I want to push myself to the, the the absolute highest level that I can push myself. And having having picked up those machines again and knowing where I wanted to go with my art and how crisp and clean and the kind of work I wanted to put out and what it felt like when I was starting again and how much of a learning curve I knew I was going to have to even get to that point. I knew it was something that I wasn't going to be able to just you know, uh, wing it through. Mm -hmm. And I had to have some sort of intermediary, whether it was an apprenticeship, whether it was a tattoo, whether it was a mentor, something was going to have to come in that was going to enable me to take it to a level past where I was capable of doing it at that moment. Mm -hmm. um, so for, for me, uh, a tattoo school, the idea of a tattoo school, because up to that point, you know, that was when it was still fairly new. I mean, I've seen like maybe three or four now since the time I've gone. Um, but I had never heard of anything like that before. I got a, a offered an apprenticeship before a while back, but I wasn't in a position to take it. And I, I wasn't I've never had a, a, a safety net like I had to support myself. I had to pay my bills I had to do this. I had to do that. And so I couldn't just go and, and say, okay, I hope this works through because I'd be on the street. Like, you know, I, I, I had nowhere else to go. And so a tattoo school where, where I'm working my regular job and I can go and learn this the right way, hopefully, you know, is what mm -hmm. I thought. Uh, and I don't have to sacrifice everything in my life to, to get the knowledge and it, you know, it'll put me in a position where I'm not messing people up and I'm actually doing good work on them. Mm -hmm. I thought the idea was great. Like I was like, man, this is for people exactly like me that want to do this, but aren't in a position to take an apprenticeship and just mm -hmm. drop everything we're doing. And so I went and, you know, there was all kinds of people. There was young kids just fresh out of high school. They were like 18, 19 years old. Uh, there was the, uh, you know, another guy that was like a biker, that just came back from Afghanistan doing contract work for like, you know, paper clearance. It was, it was a mix of people. And, um, you know, they had us the first day using the machines on like bananas, you know, just to get a feel of the machines. Uh, but by like the second or third day, we were already working on people. 
and um they jump started you right into it sounds yeah. like sounds like my apprenticeship my my traditional <laughs> apprenticeship man i did three tattoos and i was like you know under moderate supervision you yeah. know i was given the tattoo yeah. time books i was given access to the shop and shown how to make needles and put together machines and the basic functions of it yeah Got three tattoos and man i was hey swanson make money go for it yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> i sound- mean i've heard that I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go, no. It sounds like they just kind of jump started you into it. So, how was that experience for you? Uh, it was terrifying. One, because you know, up to that point, most of the people I worked on were people I knew in some way, shape, or form, or or a friend of somebody I knew. So there was a direct connection. These are total strangers, and I was like, man, you know, what if I screw this up? Like this person gonna be pissed, or you know, I don't want to do anything bad mm-hmm. or anybody. But you know, the teachers that they had there uh, were already tattoo artists, working tattoo artists. And so they were hovering over our shoulders for every little bit. So, you know, we uh, we started off with very basic pieces and uh, they made sure before we did anything that things were the right depth, everything was tuned the right way. And so they kind of guided us through anything. And if there was anybody that was looked like they were even screwing up a little too much, the teacher would come in and kind of take over and, and finish out the tattoo. Mm-hmm. So um, it's interesting. But- it's interesting that the dynamic changes when you're tattooing homies and it's like everybody's kicking it and having a good time. And, and you know, this tat's getting done for, you know, 20 bucks in a, in a six pack of beer. And the difference between that and, and how the mindset changes when, Oh shit, this is a stranger. This isn't somebody I don't know. I don't know anything about them, what their job is. I don't know if their mom's going to be pissed at me, like, because they got a tattoo, you know, not that that would matter, but I mean, it's just mentally, you know, it's, those are the things that you kind of run through. Like, how is this really affecting this person's life outside these four walls? And, um, man, you know, it, it puts it into a little bit of a heavier perspective. It does. I mean, uh, it's good. It's it. good that that can. It's good that that situation does that. You know, for at least for you, it did that. But I think it 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 hopefully does that for you know other people in that situation as well. I hope so too. I mean, there was one. You know, it was a range of people. So there was one or two people that maybe didn't respect the the opportunity uh, the way maybe I have, like the younger kids coming fresh out of. Uh, high school mm-hmm. and haven't been in the real workforce and don't know what it's like out there with that <laughs> level of responsibility. Right. But uh, uh, the other thing is that the people that we were working on, there was like an assumed risk, right? Like they were told they were getting a free tattoo. And mm-hmm. with that, you know, these are by the students of the school. It may be a decent tattoo. It may not be. Are <laughs> you up for it? So people, you know, they signed up knowing what they were getting themselves into. There wasn't like a promise of like, Hey, come and get tattooed by our wonderful students and walk out with a beautiful (laughs) piece of art. Yeah. So, I mean, there were people in there that, uh, it looked like they had come to that school and maybe gotten 40 free tattoos out of that place. And it didn't matter what kind of work it was. I, I I mean, they literally told me like one guy was like, this is my addiction. It was like, I, you know, I just came out of rehab and I need, you know, another addiction and this is it. So the guy just wanted to come in there and get stabbed by a couple of needles. Like he didn't care what the design was. There will always be, I think there will always be those people, man. Always be those people. And there's those like, 
there's those people around tattoo shops too, you know, talking about like the, the hang around folks that a lot of times end up becoming your homies, but they're like yeah. always there and they're down, man, are you, sl- if it's slow, like you want to blast something on me, you want to do this, you want to do that. Like I'm down, I'm down. I'll get it. I'll get it. You know? Um, those are, gr- those are great people to have around. Yeah. Those are great people. Or to if have a, around. you know, yeah. a guest, a, a guest comes into town, they're the first guy to jump on it and be like, yeah, I'll, I'll get some, you know? So yeah. it's, it's nice to be in, in that situation. Yeah. So, uh, that experience we went from that and then uh all the way towards um maybe the middle it was a two-week course which you know it, it, it was marketed as saying it's going to give us the basics sure so one of the big things i definitely gained out the situation which i am you know i'll tell everybody this is the first thing you need to jump on is i learned about cross-contamination and how to mm-hmm. keep a sterile environment and how to you know prevent cross-contamination and and, and those sort of things so they made sure that that was like, you know, the main focus in the beginning days. And, you know, they made sure that they followed up with it throughout the, the mm-hmm. course. Uh, they encouraged us to try different styles. Like if we, they saw that we were getting too much of one kind, they were like, hey, why don't you try this out? You know, take the opportunity to build your portfolio now. Here, try this one that looks like your traditional rose. Try this one that's lettering. Try this mm-hmm. one, try that one. And so... Um, you know, I walked out of there with maybe 25 pictures that enabled me to put those pictures in a portfolio. And they weren't my greatest work, but they weren't bad either. And I was able to go into St. Mark's and, you know, the Lower East Side of Manhattan and go to, you know, one of these walk-in shops and get something going with that. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, I was definitely appreciative of the experience. You know, I don't have anything negative to say. I mean, plenty of people had plenty of negative things to say to this lady to the point where, like, she was getting death threats, which hmm. drove me nuts. Uh, I was like, you know, I, and yeah. that's and that's the bullshit that I don't like. You know, that's that's the whole thing about, like, I'm not, I may not support what you're doing, but it ain't gonna fucking affect me. It's not gonna bother me. Like, I'm not. You don't. You're not affecting what I'm doing right here, right now. And people may argue that she is or that a tattoo school is, but I'm sorry, the cat's out of the bag. It's coming, you know? Like, Mike DeVries said it on this show. Like, who knows when, uh, you know, the first tattoo course is going to be taught in a university. And check it out, man. I mean, look what... uh, and, And what I like about one of the things that you're doing is that it has the same, and that's teaching a course at a university about illustrative tattooing. And uh, I think, what is it entitled drawing for tattooing or um, tattoo illustration, tattoo illustration. So um, you teach a course at a university, you've been accepted at at that level. Um, And it had the same idea that I had when I put out my um, how to paint flash. Um, And that was an idea that if I improve somebody's artwork, and their, their, I guess, again, awareness of their art, right? Watercoloring, pain, tattoo, flash. Um, then when they do tattoos, I hope that they take that same awareness into their tattoos, which is ultimately going to make their tattoos better, you know? Absolutely. How did uh, you, how did you, tell me about how you hooked up with that, uh, with the university? 
talk about the curriculum and and just been your experience with it man because it's pretty interesting it's on the cutting edge definitely as far as like um you know being an educator and and uh in this industry uh so I have yet to teach the class yet. We're still in the development and trying to get it going and get the people registered for it. Uh, as far as getting it started, this was a undergraduate school that I went to. So it's a state university, um, and it's one of two that's really known for the arts uh, in New York State. Um, so I heard that they were looking for instructors for some uh, drawing classes, uh observational drawing figure drawing um and so i went in uh thinking that i might possibly get one of those and get you know a nice art instructor professor check mark off of my resume and in the background i was already tattooing at this time and everything else i was like you know what i really want to do is teach a, a illustration class and incorporate what i'm doing and you know teach people about because it about the different genres of tattoo art, mm -hmm. uh, the history behind it, all, all those sort of things. And so I pitched it to them and they ate it up. They ate it up like completely. They, they were sold. And, um, you know, the popularity of tattoos right now didn't hurt. You know, mm -hmm. you got a TV show on, you got, there was a convention going on right there at the time. And, um, you know, the idea came from that in, in the, the street shops I worked at, and I was in some seedy places in the beginning. Um, in, in New York City, you don't have to have any art background whatsoever. I'm not sure how it is in other places, but like all you have to do is pass the, the Bloodborne Pathogens class. And it's a three-hour video, and you take a little written test afterwards, and you walk out with a tattoo license. And you can take that tattoo license and go into any shop and start working. And you don't have to have a lick of art experience whatsoever. And... Uh, so knowing that there's people out there that maybe didn't have the advantages that I had in terms of being able to go to art school, um, I wanted to provide a service in that sense that like, okay, let me take what I've learned as far as like art school stuff and show people how that could translate into designing tattoos. Mm -hmm. Now, this by no means was like I'm apprenticing people or I'm teaching anybody how to tattoo, but at the same time, you know, uh, I wanted to do projects that I think that if somebody were to jump from there to trying to go into tattooing, it would, it would help them in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I think it even, even if they don't, and even if they're just curious, um, mm -hmm. and they go in to get a tattoo, I think most tattooers, I personally would, um, love it if my clients knew more about why I'm doing things the proper way. Not the, sure. not the Pinterest way, but the proper way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I would like them to have that information because then they know um, when I point out an area and I say, well, this has to be this size or this has to be um, a certain, you know, line weight or I have to put this on. We can't put this on this particular area because of this compositional piece. You know, they go, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense because I understand a little bit more about what the whole you know what the entire thing is so absolutely an yes. educated client is is the best client mm -hmm. um you know i get inboxed or dm'd like daily about 
oh man, how do I get into tattooing? Oh man, you know, can you teach me? Oh man, how do I get my, my drawings better? And, uh, I try to respond to as many people as I can. I try to give them the best advice that I can. There's people in different levels of where they at in terms of drawing ability. And so, you know, for the kid that wants to get a tattoo apprenticeship, but doesn't necessarily have anything to show an ability of being able to go into it. I said, all right, maybe this class will give them that. Mm -hmm. uh, for somebody that's just an aficionado and wants to, you know, get their hands into it a little more and learn a little more about it and learn some history or some, some other stuff, like that was for them too. Mm -hmm. uh, for anybody that was already a working tattooer uh, that maybe wanted to just brush up on some art stuff, I was like, that's for them too. Right. You know, I, I, I had in mind always being of service to people in some way, mm -hmm. shape or form. Uh, so, um, the curriculum I developed and basically it's, you know, each week or each course we would take a particular style of tattooing, let's say American traditional, and we would put some examples of it up and we would have a conversation. Mm -hmm. What do you notice? What are some of the, uh, the characteristics that really define this style? You know, what colors do you see? What are the line weights? These mm -hmm. sort of things. And then uh, based off of the conversation and looking at, you know, a wide range of examples of the work, uh, the students would then be challenged to come up with their own design. Uh, and what I wanted to do was kind of simulate the experience of having something on demand. So, you know. So they're not I've, such an asshole when they walk in and ask a street shop tattooer to just whip something up real quick. Whip this half sleeve up, dude. You whip the oh fucking half sleeve up. Hey man, you know I want to get my sleeve done. What do you want? Uh, I don't know. I want a sleeve, like. Right. <laughs> yeah, I get, it, I get. It. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, so I figured that they would be randomly assigned something, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, you draw this out of out of uh, a hat. You're gonna do a traditional rose with a dagger. Mm -hmm. You're gonna do a panther, that sort of thing. And so, um, I also wanted them to be able to understand what it is to conform a design to an area of the body so you're doing the traditional rose with a dagger on a calf here we're going to take tracing paper we're going to wrap it around the calf you're going to trace the area mm -hmm. you're going to understand what it is to fit that design within the area and you're also going to use all these marked characteristics of this genre of tattooing to create the design and then when everything's done we hang them up and we have a critique what's working what's not working mm -hmm. how did you feel about this and um, there would also be supplemental reading assignments and uh, documentaries maybe about these particular genres of tattooing mm -hmm. that will also further their knowledge about the history about it. Right. So, you know, I tried to make it as much as, as possible as an all-encompassing uh, study of, of the, the drawing end of things. Yeah, that's great, man. I, I, I like it. I like it. It's, uh, you know, talking about tattoo history, I've, I've been – sticking my nose in these tattoo time uh, magazines uh, again that Ed Hardy put out and just read more and more into them. And I, because I was, I pulled them out the other day because I was like on my phone and I was like, ah, shit, man, I'm fucking bored with Instagram. I don't want to be on here anymore. You know, I got to wait around. I got a little bit of time in between my next little hustle. So let's, uh, let's sit down with these things. You know, they're in this beautiful, um, you know, box set, pulled them out. And 
man, what cool shit is in there? You know, you start reading it and you start looking at the, you know, documenting of history. And, you know, that led me to, I went to YouTube and started watching the Freddie Corbin, um, uh, tattoo age documentary again. And yeah, man, yeah. you know, cause I came, you know, I came from tattooing in San Francisco. Like I went from Minnesota okay. where I got a degree and, um, thought, I might go up to Seattle and work for uh, Ernie Gosnell, who was um, who I met through a few different people and uh, did a guest spot at Erno's during that time at the very end of my uh, time at university. And then um, came out to tattoo and I ended up at Picture Machine. And um, so San Francisco's man in in my heart, you know, as far as my tattoo history goes and guys like Freddie were those dudes who were just like one generation ahead of me, you know, a decade, seven years to a decade ahead of me that mm. were, you know, at the top of their game when I was coming into it. And so I could look, look up to them, got tattooed by Eddie Deutsch and, you know, he worked with, nice. you know, he worked with Freddie. And so, man, I love, I love the history. I love knowing that you're kind of incorporating that into that curriculum as, as well. And, um, man, I think with, uh, I think a lot of people would benefit from just, you know, even if it's just an enjoyment, man, get into the history of tattooing because there's so many wild, crazy stories. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been told I, I haven't unfortunately been able to get around to reading it myself. But, you know, I've been told by a couple of books. I think it might have been Sailor Jerry. It's either Sailor Jerry or, or Ed Hardy about their travels, mm -hmm. uh, being on ships and then going overseas and like all the stuff that they encountered in their journeys about tattooing. And I think it's interesting, one, but two, which it seems like a lot of people are hung up on about the apprenticeships is that people gain a respect of the craft, mm -hmm. you know, be, uh, about how much people have had to sacrifice and endure and, and deal with in, in, you know, in the trenches mm -hmm. uh, when tattooing was illegal or, you know, when you didn't have the rotaries to do all these photorealistic stuff. And, you know, there was a line of 40 guys you know, out the shop and, you know, picking one flash after another. I think, you know, sometimes that gets lost these days. And um, so even with the art history or the tattooing history part of it, I, you know, I would hope that people gain a respect for the craft. You yeah. Know? And honestly, man, that's why I like this, this format, this podcast format, it's documentation. And this is what, like why I started in the first place was, you know, to be able to document some of these stories and some of these, um, you know, get to hear from some of these people that have been in our industry and these kind of cornerstones, you know, we're still available. They're still available to us. You know what I mean? Yeah. These guys, good time, yeah. Char good time. Charlie lives 40 minutes from me. You know, I'm, I'm working on setting up a talk with him and like these other guys like Lyle, you know, I have that, um, conversation that I'm putting out on, uh, on my website, if people subscribe, you can get this. Uh, I just dropped the first um, first one, and it's like 22 minutes of him. He talks about Antarctica. What what was it? It was like his Antarctica Antarctica trip and a serial killer. Like that's the Jesus. yeah oh yeah it's wild and the way how yeah. he gets to it is like so interesting, man. He's such a he's such a great storyteller, and um, you know. If y'all want that shit, sign up on uh, sellingradio.com because I'm just going to keep hitting you with little like uh, extra private tracks. So and it's great, man. I mean, but these guys are accessible to us, you know, who were, um, you know, the the 
driving force in what we do today and what we're able to do today. That's something I definitely appreciate about uh, your podcast. You know, I, I still consider myself like I'm, I'm like in the middle. I'm still learning a lot. I'm still experimenting. I, like I, I feel like I'm nowhere near where I need to be in tattooing. And being able to hear the thoughts and the processes and, and, and just the conversation from a lot of these guys that are killing it, like for somebody like me, it's like, wow, this is really informative. You know, like mm -hmm. it, it helps quite a bit because one, it humanizes people. And so you kind of get, you know, all dimensions of what's going into their work. But, it, you know, making it accessible for people and it not being such a huge secret, it's just like it helps so much. Mm -hmm. Like I go on YouTube and, you know, I watch all the, the, the portfolio peaks from Sullen yeah. and, you know. I go and listen to, uh, you know, some other radio shows. The guys are talking about tattoo techniques, and it's like all this stuff helps, you know, mm -hmm. for somebody like me that's actually actively going out and seeking the information. Like, mm -hmm. it's a huge service. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, most of the the common theme throughout each guy that I talk to, or or girl, lady that I talk to, because um, I mean. I've had some killers on this show and it's hard work. You know, it's like hard work is, um, what Instagram doesn't show, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. like the, the 12 hour, 14 hour, 16 hour days. Like then I got to travel to this convention and we all know that, you know, set up, tear down, travel accommodations, getting this cab to over here. I mean, it's all like, intense shit and yeah you know to to be producing work at the highest level takes hard work and yeah you know mentally putting yourself in there and being aware of that piece while all this other stuff's going around yeah maybe at a convention or in your own personal life um i think it's inspiring and encouraging to me you know to have these conversations as well you know i i was working today i was scrubbing grime off of a a pool cover for my uh, in-laws and 102, you know, 102 degrees out in the hot Jeez. sun scrubbing, scrubbing shit off of a, a pool cover all day. And I, so I ended up listening to the Antonio Mejia episode, this last episode of the podcast, man, dude, like that guy is so inspiring to me. Like it was so fun to hear him again. Like I remembered that excitement when I was talking to him, you know, about, you know, the way he approaches, the apprenticeship with his son, you know, the, the collaborations that took place down at, uh, you know, good time Charlie's between all the, all the, you know, GTC members and family members sure. there at the shop that were all, um, connecting and, um, man, it was, you know, he gave some great, you know, young father advice, like all sorts of cool shit, like came out of that conversation. And man, that's like exciting to me, not only as an artist, cause I can be inspired by it, but as somebody sure. who's trying to put out, you know, dope conversations that people like to hear, to listen back to it, which I don't like to do typically, <laughs> and be inspired really? and be inspired by it, you know. Um, yeah, it was it was really great. So um, I appreciate the everybody listening, and and I've appreciated the uh, you know the the openness to uh, to this podcast and and to what I'm doing. So man, I'm just grateful. It's it's shit. I get to have conversations with badass artists every week, you know, or every other week what, or whatever. What beats that? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. 
Um, well, I'm sure there's a few he, things that would beat it, but there is. But you know, for the for, for the this show, of the conversation, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the the other cool thing, and, and it comes back to something you said earlier, which you know I've gathered from listening to the podcast numerous times, um, is that there's no one way to go about this. You there's know? not, man, and that's just the. Yeah. I think that goes back to this idea, and and that's what I'm trying to say about. Um, it doesn't matter if this guy went to a tattoo school or not, or this guy did it this way, or this guy did it that way. It's just like, what are they doing now? Like what's going on right now? What work are they producing? How are they handling themselves? You know, if they are doing it in such a way that, um, I feel is, you know, ethical and, and, you know, moral. And I guess those are all personal standards that we have to have to look at, but, I'm stoked for them. You know, I'm hyped on it, you know, because I, I want them to do good. I want people to do good in their lives. And if they're doing good by tattooing, I don't give a shit where they learned it. You know, I'm just happy to yeah, be tattooing yeah. myself, too. You know, so yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess it's just. Uh, yeah, I just I think it's a it's a really cool time to be in tattooing. And there's so many different lanes. And I keep saying that shit on on the on the show. It's like there's so many lanes you can do it any different way, you know, all sorts of different ways you want. And now's the time, the opportunity to jump in and get involved in the things that you want to in tattooing. You want to be, in, you know, you want to learn about nostalgic stuff and build, make your own needles and, and build your own machines. You can do that now. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can, yeah. you can do it. Do you want to learn about photorealism and step your game up and, you know, you can do that. You can go get a seminar by Nico, personal seminars, you know what I mean, at his shop with him and with some small groups, yeah, with small yeah. groups. Like what's what's better than, you know, what's better than that we're talking about? Like that if you want to do that, if you want to work in that style, like you might as well go to the best, you know, one of the best in the world and and get immediate critique and feedback from, you know, from that person. It's it's pretty amazing what's uh, the opportunities. It's almost like a, uh, what do you say, like a renaissance uh, mm-hmm. to some degree or an industrial revolution, whatever you want to call it. It's just we're at a time where mm-hmm. a lot of these things are very new. Yeah. And, you know, there's so much opportunity to yeah. take advantage of all these things. And people are trying things. Yeah. Not everything's working. Some of it is. Some of it isn't. But people are trying things out and people are discovering what works and what doesn't. And, and it's it's extremely exciting. Like, yeah. I. I got to take a seminar with Carlos Torres last year, you know, and I got to sit there with the man and talk to him in a Q&A and ask him about his process. And, and yep. you know, I went to the, the convention and I got to meet uh, Ralph Nonweiler and like, you know, him comment on some of my pictures and give me some advice. Like, you know, at some at some point. Yeah, it's, it's just the flood. The floodgates are open, like you said. Mm-hmm. And it, if you want it, it's there. Yeah. You know, uh, I just, I kind of, there's still some people that got the stigmas about it, but like, uh, I've heard you say many times before, there's some dude, like the guys in Eastern Europe, they're like freaking killing it. Mm-hmm. And you know, might be some dude in his basement tattooing in his boxers, but you'll right. never know because what you see is the end result on yep. Instagram and, and it doesn't really matter to some degree cause they don't have the hangups like we do over here. But, right. Yeah, it's it's pretty uh I think eventually all that shit'll shake out and and honestly the the whole, you know, 
new techniques and, and what can we do with tattooing and how far are we going to push it and new products. I mean, like we were talking about, it's exciting and it, it's what has inspired my latest project. And that's the, I've teased it a little bit on my Instagram, but, uh, I'm, I'm going to start shooting hopefully, uh, by July, uh, a tattoo product review show called the tattoo minute review. This is nuts and bolts. Is it good? Is it shit? All these new things are out now. All these new products. Mm-hmm. Can we use them? Are, are, should we just ignore them? And that's what I kind of want to like find out because we've seen all this innovation, um, inspiration over the last few years and it's been at its peak. You know I mean? It's, it's yeah. at its heights right now. And so mm-hmm. I want to, I want to dive into these new things and find out what's working and what's not. And, you know, really build almost a, a, a community of people that, um, it's not just my knowledge. I'm just one dude. So I might like mm-hmm. something and you may have a completely different experience with it. I want to find, I want to know about that because I think the more that we talk about it might turn me onto something in that product or in that technique that goes, Oh, okay. I, that clicks or that doesn't make sense. And I need to explore more. So man, I'm excited to do that. Uh, do that project and, and start getting some videos out in, on uh, YouTube and people can expect to uh, to see that hopefully soon. Like I said, I'm shooting for July, but you never know, man. I'm busy. And so the deadline might get pushed back. But you're, uh, you're a new father again, right? New like father, man. Not that long ago. Yeah, leap, I know how that goes. <laughs> leap, uh, leap day, baby. Yeah. So he's, really? Yeah, he's just uh, almost four months, but just shy of four months. He's, he's a good boy. He's already in... Uh, like six to tw- like six month clothes or some shit. He's a big boy. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah he just started just like just, uh, uh, this last few days we fed him his first like little solid food. It's not solid. It's like just mashed up apples, you know, period apples. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, he got his first little taste of that and man, it's, it's cool. It's been a wild experience. You know, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to have any more kids and, sure. um, you know, Hey, here we are and I'm loving it. I just, uh, it's, it's almost give it's, it's almost, uh, it's just, I mean, it's almost surreal, man. (laughs) It's crazy. I'm experiencing it for, well, this past year I've experienced it for the first time. And now I got another one on the way. Uh, my daughter's birthday is actually the day before your son's then, if that's the case. She's on, yeah, February 27th. She was just shy of being a leap year. uh, Well, he's 29. So two days before. There's only 20. Okay. Yep. 29 is only hits for every four years. You're right. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Um, but that's so that's also been such a huge motivator for me. Mm-hmm. Like the moment that my daughter was born, like, like a, a click yeah. just went off in my head and it was like, I have no time for nonsense whatsoever. Like every step I make, every word that comes out of my, everything that I do has to make sense for my family. And it, mm-hmm. you know, it can't be a waste of time in any way. Yeah. And I even saw my, my artwork go from here, you know, up just because of that. Like I took everything so much more seriously after my daughter was born. Yeah. So I love the little definitely- videos you're posting on Instagram of your process. You know, it's, it's dope. How long have you been doing, uh, doing those, uh, white on black, uh, pieces? Uh, I gotta say maybe a, a little over a year, mm-hmm. maybe. And, um, it's weird. Cause like I got back into oil painting, which I hadn't touched since art school like years ago. And so I was doing that for a while. And, um, 
oil paint, the materials are kind of, you know, very corrosive and not good for your health with the paint thinners and everything else. So I was like, I got to find something because I'm going home and touching my newborn baby. Like I can't have paint thinner all over me. Right. So I was like, I got to find something that'll, uh, that, that, that's a little more healthier. So I, I switched over to the charcoals I'd done before. And I don't remember exactly how I went to white on black, but I really love the results the first time that I did it. And, um, I started pushing it each time just a little further. Okay, this time it was just a horse with a couple little details. The next time it's a portrait. The next time it's a you know four portraits in one. And you know next time yeah, the, it's going to be five. The collage yeah. shit is pretty cool. You know a lot of hi- hi- most hip hop shit. And uh, how, how how big into hip hop are you, man? A lot. So I was like a hip hop artist before, um, and I kind of not not anything like super notable, but I kind of recorded some songs with some guys that are affiliated with Immortal Technique and like some Wu Tang affiliates and stuff. And it's always been like this really prevalent part of my life. Like I grew up in it. It's like I was in New York when you know what they call the golden era, and like all mm-hmm. these MCs were out and. Uh, Did you see any up, of that? You saw that as you were growing oh yeah. up? Oh, yeah, 100 percent. I actually grew up on the block with one of the guys from De La Soul. Um, okay. Yeah, he's like a neighbor, like right down the block. He's actually cool. My older cousins, he might like not remember me because I was a little kid. But like he used to play in my backyard. And um, I used to wake up in the morning waiting for the bus for school. And their tour bus was taking up half the block, you know, and. <laughs> And around the corner for me was Prince Paul. The town away was Rakim. Like, uh, it was funny because, like, being in Long Island at the time, there actually was, like, a really big hip-hop scene going on. Uh, and they kind of had their own little renaissance. Um, and it you couldn't have grown up in the 90s or the 80s or even in the 2000s in New York without having that be some part of your life in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's just the dominant thing out here. Uh, and so from the way people talk, the way people dress, you know, the music people listen to is just, it encompasses all these things. Um, so even to this day, you know, I don't necessarily, you know, I, this is where I start feeling old because I can't relate <laughs> to some of the newer stuff that's on the radio. Uh, you know, there's a song here and there I'll pick up like, Oh man, this is cool. And I'll play it on my car and everything. But man, I, I hate I the radio. The radio is not where, you know, you got to get your shit from, I don't know. I loved I uh, the I music. I'm just not gonna pay ten bucks for it, you know. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Um, but I'd love you know I'll, I'll dabble with Spotify, but mostly it's just Pandora. And um, yeah. if I want to hear like a specific artist, I'll dabble with Spotify. You know, if sure. I want to hear like a whole album through, or if I want to go, you know, thirty six chambers it and hear that you know beat in the beginning, that first that slap, I, yeah. I'm gonna hit up Spotify because. Um, I can do that, you know, but man, I, I don't know. I can't tell you the last time. Well, I can't tell you the last time I listened to the radio. It was AM radio and it was just uh, um, s- two days ago when the Warriors lost to Cleveland, you know. Oh, wow. OK. I so was, it was taking talk radio. Yeah, yeah it's talk radio, man. I ain't going to listen to the music. <laughs> you know, I'm taking my kid. I'm taking my kids. home. even when I take my kids home and I let them listen to the uh, to the radio. Um, you know, they'll be listening to some Justin Bieber station. I got my head, you know, I got my little headphone in listening to a podcast or I'm listening to, you know, I am Sue from the, from Richmond or some, some inappropriate like rap music that they can't hear yet. Yeah. I feel bad. I feel bad for my wife. Cause, uh, you know, 
she likes reggaeton and like Spanish music and stuff. And I'm like, when we're in the car, it's like, sorry, we're listening to my old hip hop. That's just <laughs> what it is. Like, but I mean, that coming back to that, like, I feel like that nostalgia comes across in the drawings that I do. Mm. I feel like, you know, if I'm really taking things that I, that are genuinely a part of my life and I put those into the artwork, it comes off of it when people look at it. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a certain genuineness about it that people connect with that it's, you know, someone recommended to me one time, they're like, Oh man, if you want to be more popular, you need to draw, you know, all these popular things, like draw some game of Thrones portraits or draw this. And I, right. like, I don't want to be that guy. There's, there's already plenty of those guys that do celebrity stuff all yeah. the time. You just keep like, drawing hip hop people. All right. Well, yeah, I'm that guy. Um, that's well, good. That's what I'm saying. I like I like that shit because I agree with you. You know, you have a feeling that is come the feeling comes through in those pieces because you've experienced those, you know, that time, that period, you were right in the heart of it. And I think that that vibe, that excitement, that um whatever it is when you're doing you know, when you're in that piece and the and it will it does pop through. So I, I Shit, I say, yeah, don't draw celebrities. Just keep drawing hip-hop heads. <laughs> I'm going to ride that out you know, <laughs> until I get bored with it and I go on to the next thing. Sure. Like, I'm, I'm starting to get to that point where I'm like, what's the next challenge for myself? Uh, do you um, have an idea what, what it might be? Large-scale work. So, uh, you know, I've seen stuff by, like, Kit King and mm. some other of these artists that are, like, really killing it. And I don't want to just be somebody that's replicating photos, mm -hmm. but I think that there's something impressive when you walk up to a piece and it's just like larger than life. There's, there's some sort of impactfulness on it, you know, when, when you see something that big. So it might be the same subject matter. I'm not sure, but uh, it might not be. Sure. I'm, I, I kind of don't plan these things out. You just got to like, let it flow. I kinda, yeah, I get it. I get an image in my head. My wife already knows. Like she's like, "Oh, you got an idea in your head." I'm like, "Yeah, I got to get to the studio tonight." You got that crazy and, look in your eyes. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's a curse at the same time. And this is something I heard like artists struggle with. Or some artists, I know I struggle with it. Is like relying on inspiration mm -hmm. versus like just getting the work done, regardless of what it is, mm -hmm. and bring and making sure it's excellent. Like for me. I a lot of times still use inspiration as my my uh, my crutch. Like, you know, I'm all about this. I got this idea in my head. I can put all that passion into a piece. But, you know, when somebody asks for something, it's not necessarily something I'm 100% into. I still mm -hmm. want to be able to give them that level of excellence. And so I'm still finding my process on how to invest myself 200% into something that's not necessarily uh, something I would have picked out to draw. I think that's where, for me, it comes with the technique. I throw myself into the technique then, not necessarily, you know, I'm going to make the design as tattooable and, and, and as beautiful as possible. But if I'm not necessarily vibing with it, then you know what I'm going to vibe with is just the, the, the process of being needle into skin, you know, and, yeah. and that I'm going to let the, I'm going to let the stencil do its work. And then I can just focus on my work, you know, and just, yeah. just making sure that things are technically applied you know, right. And so I think for me, that's because I, I feel like I'm a little bit the same way, you know, with painting, mostly in drawing, like I'll get these like ideas in my head, I want to put them down on paper. And it's probably not at the time where I can, you know, that I got a sketchbook around me or that I have that I can fire up my Wacom tablet and, and sketch something out. And so 
lot of times I'm just jotting these things down in my notes in my iPhone. And, and later on, I hope to, you know, be able to come back to them, look at whatever I've written down and, and maybe re spark a little bit of that inspiration. And so, um, yeah, I get what you're saying about that though. You know, being in that moment, again, it comes with being in that moment, man, because when you, when you're hit with that inspiration, you want to go in that moment. You want to produce that work because it's the freshest, it's the most, um, raw that it will be. Um, and so getting it down and out at least, you know, the beginning stages of it is, is important, I think, but not always, uh, possible. The, I've done a lot of like still life and life drawing, like, Mm. you know, figurative stuff. And, um, I feel like the immediacy of like having someone in front of you and then having to get that down before the time is up or any of that, like it forces me to be in the moment. And that's actually like, like you were asking, what's the next thing Mm -hmm. for me where I'm going to go on to, uh, I've already done one still life tattoo. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like had a statue set up and freehanded the marker drawing onto the person's forearm. And then, you know, instead of using a reference photo, was directly looking at the, stat- the statue yeah. while I was tattooing the person's arm. And I want to explore that more. I already have people signed up for it. <laughs> uh, well, it's interesting because, it- you know, you hit me up about that piece when uh, and and I'm going to I got to let you go here in a minute. But you hit me up sure. about that piece. Um when Nico and I talked about it on the last, on the finale of last season, right. you know, he talked about the idea of tattooing, uh, of painting uh, from life. And I asked him, mm-hmm. you know, how long is it going to take where somebody's tattooing from life? And you, you've taken it one step closer to that. It's not directly tattooing from life like you would be a sure. painting. Um, right. And I think, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think that that could be done on certain parts of the body, but. Um, you know, ultimately with stretch and, and different things, it would have to be a very specific, obviously a very yeah. specific client and very specific piece. But I like that idea. I like the idea of pushing those, those boundaries, especially because you're tattooing subject matter that you're going to be familiar with. And, and, um, you're not going to necessarily push your technical abilities. You're just pushing that, um, that process. I think that, uh, cause Nico had said it on that podcast that you spoke to him. Like he doesn't think, he didn't think it would be necessary to draw something from life. And I mm-hmm. totally get what he was saying. Like, you know, you have your, tr- your stencil, you trust your stencil, you, you, you know, the fidelity of that and making it as true to that piece, you know, that's, that's extremely important. Uh, but you know, I constantly am trying to bring the fine art stuff that I learned in art school back into the tattooing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I get bored with a lot of stuff. So I'm like, all right, how can I push this further? So, sure. um, you're it's, right. It's it's probably going to be relegated to certain parts of the body and very specific clients. It's not going to be something mm-hmm. I'm going to be cranking day in, day out. But uh, I'm excited for the project to come to fruition. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about it and, yeah. and drum it up too much. But hopefully, you know, all the pieces will come together sooner than later. Well, amazing, man. Where can people take a look at your work? And um, I really appreciate you coming on. I've enjoyed this conversation. And um, uh, what's the, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Uh, so you can, if you want to see my work, uh, at my website, it's www.mixtats.com. Uh, um, Instagram is always a good way. It's, uh, at mixtats, M-I-G-Z-T-A-T-Z. And I'm pretty horrible with the phone. So like, uh, emailing me is always the best way to get a hold of me and, and get information. So that's, uh, mixtats at gmail.com. 
Awesome, Thanks. man. Yeah, Mi thank Mi you. Miguel, thank, thank you. you, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, man. Thank you very much. Yep, no sweat. Take care. All right, you too. Take it easy, man. Have a good meditation now, right? I think I might just jump into that. <laughs> <laughs> Later. All right, brother. Well, that's it, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. I do appreciate it. Make sure to connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at OG Joe Swanson. If you'd like to get tattooed by me or hire me at your event or tattoo convention to podcast, then please get in touch with me at SullenRadio.com. I do appreciate it, guys. Enjoy your right now and keep hustling.